This week, I introduce you guys to a new guest, Bob Newton. Bob's an interesting guy. He's known as the Rogue Researcher. He's done some work with the Strongs down under. He's been pivotal in some of the research that has gone on down here in Australia. He's in Peru right now, the land of the most amazing megaliths and mysterious societies on the planet, pretty much. And it's a telling thing that we didn't discuss that at all. In fact, myself and Bob were a little hesitant to release this because we got pretty raw, we got pretty honest. Bob grew up in the Cold War. In fact, he was in Germany in the 50s with tanks facing each other. And you can only imagine what that did to him as a child. And that's something that he's working through. And he shared some of those experiences with us. And I'm very humbled that he did so. And we're going to do a follow-up to this one. However, initially we weren't going to release it. I start telling Bob a little bit of history about Australia. We talk about the Eureka Stockade and what happened down under. And look, since then I am putting together a plan to go through the entire Eureka Stockade. I'm rereading some of the books and we're going to do a series on that. However, give Bob a bit of a brief understanding of the rebellion and what caused it. And then he shares with us some of his stories from his childhood and what it's like living under martial law and just some of the things he saw and experienced. Again, I can't say how much I appreciate him being vulnerable here at Unlocking the Code and sharing those stories with us. Like a lot of us, he's very, very concerned with what he sees. And he has a a lens that not a lot of us have. In fact, there's not many children that survived living through what he lived through. And he'll explain that as well. If you had told me that I was going to live to see the day that the police fired upon the public at the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne... I'm not entirely sure what I would have said. However, I witnessed it. I've been to the Shrine of Remembrance. If I identified with a state here in Australia, I would be Victorian. I've walked that hallowed ground. And for the record, the protesters were pushed there. They were herded there like cattle by the police. And whilst the police were patient, in the end, they used force. I don't quite understand what's going on. I do and I don't, and it disturbs me greatly. And the fact that there was a percentage of the population applauding what the police did when people who have lost their livelihoods, their jobs, and the fact that they refused to be part of an experiment, look, I don't know what to say anymore about this stuff. However, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. The night is always darkest before the dawn. Now, I would normally say enjoy this one. However, the topic is not exactly rosy. So I'm going to say listen. Listen to this one. Listen to the perspectives. Listen to two men from different generations coming together and sharing ideas and thoughts and memories. That's about it, guys. Remember on Patreon, give us a follow, Instagram, Facebook, etc., We'll open with the intro, and I think due to the topic matter, we'll finish with demons in my mind. Look after yourselves, be kind, be cool, stay safe, engage discipline, reach out to your tribe, let them know you're okay.
Thanks very much. Really appreciate your support, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. We've got a special one uh, this week, ladies and gentlemen. It's a bit of a swap cast. I've actually got Bob Newton all the way from Peru in South America. Uh, good morning. Oh, good evening to you, mate, and good morning to me. How are you going, man? Right on. Yeah, good morning to you. Yeah. It's, it's evening here for sure. Yeah. So what's interesting, Bob, is that you are literally sitting in one of the most interesting megalithic uh, cultures and cities and surrounding you is amazing megalithic stuff that this podcast is partly dedicated to however we find ourselves in interesting times bob and i think we need to have a a different conversation mate so if you were to introduce yourself to my audience and then i'll introduce myself to your audience how would you introduce yourself mate who who's bob newton bob newton is a thorn in a lot of people's side (laughs) uh i've earned the nickname of uh the rogue researcher, and uh, I am, I guess, a rogue researcher in both the noun and the verb sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been digging into our past history ever since I was a little kid. Mm. I, I used to read a lot of, oh, let's see, let's see. I, I don't know if I could pronounce it, <laughs> but Donnelly, you know, his... Uh, yep. Antediluvian stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. read that stuff when I was a kid. Uh, James Church Ward's uh, Lost Continent of Mu. Uh, <laughs> I read two sets of encyclopedias uh, when I was. That was my internet back in the day. Yeah, people. And that's that's and, an interesting thing. I'm I'm the last generation that understands what you're talking about, Bob. Because I did the same thing when I was a kid in the in the in the eighties. You know, that's what I did. We used to read the encyclopedias that's what we used to do you know that's uh it's all digital now but uh there's some purity in that knowledge as well well uh i didn't have much to do at that back in those days with a lot of free time because you know i won't get into a whole lot of right this moment but i lived in uh, germany uh during the cold war Mm. and uh we Which we do. We, we are going to have a bit of a chat about, mate. I think there's a perspective there that people need to understand. Well, um, my message to parents uh, when it comes to reading at a young age, get your kids to read. Mm. Get them off the internet. Give mm. them some books. Mm. Yeah, we got, we, got, we got hundreds of books for the girls, you know what I mean? And I, uh, my, my eldest daughter is very fascinated with art and, and books. The youngest one, not so much. She's a bit more practical, but uh, I'm sure we'll find her her niche, mate. So, um, yeah, look, man, that that's awesome. How would I introduce myself to your audience? I am a uh, a truth seeker. Uh, I want to be photographer. Uh, I'm a teacher now, and uh, and I'm just a, a 
a knowledge seeker, man. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a student of history and uh, I, I sit independent. I, I, I tie myself to no ideas. I'm open to all perspectives, um, mainly because we don't have the right idea at the moment, Bob. You know, I think, and I think the, due to, and like you take Peru and take the megalithic stuff that's there and you talk about Donnelly, you talk about all these guys. That's their perception. You know what I mean? That's their interpretation. And I think um, the right interpretation could be multiple interpretations, if you understand what I'm saying there. You know, I think there's, yeah, you know, and I, and I don't, I'm not, I don't tie myself to any ideas, man. I think that's, um, that, that, that does you a disservice. Um, and I created my podcast to basically um, explore ideas and, and try and navigate the chaos, mate. You know, I think that's, um, and it, it's something that I'm drawn to do. Um, the fact that I know that my little indie podcast that I created way back in 2017 um, has an international audience kind of freaks me out, man. Like, I don't, I don't like thinking about it. Um, however, if I don't do it, I feel bad. You know what I mean? It's I'm drawn to this to do what I'm doing with you here today. It's it's you gotta follow your heart, man. You yeah, man. Follow your heart. Yeah, it's 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 part of my purpose, man. And look, we do have a loose uh, a loose schedule of events today, don't we, mate? It's loose, very loose. However, because um, we we were talking over Messenger and about some of the stuff that's been going on. And I mentioned to you about the Eureka Stockade, the, the rebellion we had here in Australia, and you didn't know anything about it. And um, no, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. And no, what, what what's the sad thing, Bob, is that most people in Australia don't know anything about it, mate. They don't teach it in schools. Okay. They don't teach our they true history. No, no, no. Um, and Probably actually, yeah, my wife uh, this morning, because when, when I was, you know, getting ready to come and join the conversation. I was sort of talking to her about some of the stuff just to prime my brain a little bit. And she's like, do you know what? I don't know much about the Eureka Stockade. She's from Queensland. So the Eureka Stockade happened in Victoria. So that's the, uh, the, the very south, um, southeast uh, Australia, um, state of Australia. Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, it's north of Melbourne, right? So Melbourne's in the, uh, is, on the, is on the water um for obviously for shipping and yeah ballarat where the eureka stockade took place is about 45 minutes 50 minutes north of melbourne um and she said that her interpretation of the stockade was it was the rebellion that needed to be squashed right um so there's uh -huh. not there's not even a uh, a good understanding that it it's it said that the eureka stockade look you know Aussie Aussie people, Bob. You know we're we're easy going, fair go, hard working. You know we're we're a little got a bit of a twisted sense of humour. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All that comes from, all that comes from. Look, a the the harsh environment that we have down here, and everything needs wants to kill you. Um, however, it's that it's it's the Eureka Stockade is the birthplace of the Australian spirit, mate. And you'd probably know that we call our soldiers diggers, yeah? Um, call the, you what? We call the, the, the Australian soldiers are, are commonly known as diggers. Um, diggers? Diggers, yeah. And that okay. dates back 
to the Eureka Stockade because they were gold diggers, right? They were mining gold in Victoria, mm. okay? And look, I think it must be said that, of course, I, uh, I recognise the uh, traditional owners of the land that I'm on and, um, and what happened to the Indigenous population here in Australia is, was, was, a, was a disgusting thing. However, at the same time, there is other sides to the history of this country. Um, and people need to probably understand that and remember that Australia was a penal colony. A lot of people were brought here against their will, Bob. Um, whilst there was some heinous criminals that were put on the boats, there was also a lot of people that stole a loaf of bread to try and feed their families. And as a result of that, were put on a boat for six months and sent to a, a, a land far, far away um, that they had no idea about. Well, they needed to populate. The, they needed to populate. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prisons were too full. Yeah. Look, the basic story on that is that, um, you know, theoretically Australia was found in 1788 um, and the, Captain Cook found it and we don't need to go down that, that path today. However, um, yeah, the prisons were being overloaded in... Yeah, Botany Bay, yeah. Um, the prisons were overloaded in uh, England and uh, because they deemed that the Indigenous population here were quote-unquote savages, which uh, I know that you know with working with Evan and some of the stuff that I do, we know that that's not true. They're actually far more advanced than we can never actually truly understand now. Um, but they deemed them savages, so they thought it was an empty land that they could do what they wanted with. Um, and they decided to establish a penal colony here and they sent uh, two ships initially full of criminals. And again, some of those were hardened criminals, definitely. However, there was a vast majority of them that just, you know, they might've stole a pig or they might've stole a loaf of bread. Um, they would just, because England at that time was not a fun place to be, right? And they were just trying to feed their families, Bob. You know, they weren't actually doing anything that wrong. Um, but because of the time, they were sent to this faraway land. And, um, you know, it must be said, too, that, you know, there's a lot of the a lot of the honest Aussie people that were just trying to feed their families. They're like all honest people all over the world, Bob. They they did the best they could with what they had at the time. Um, and what would happen, too, is that if you behaved yourself uh, and this is this lends into, you know, a lot of people will ask um, how. How did all that, you know, because we know that there was a Stonehenge down here, you know, we know uh, through Richard Patterson, we know through, you know, Stephen and Evan that there's a lot of megalithic stuff going on down here. Um, and a lot of it was still very prevalent when the English came here. And what people need to understand, and, and it, it doesn't justify it, but what used to happen, and the English are sneaky, as you would know, mate, being an American, you've got your own uh, interpretation <laughs> of that, you know what I mean? Um what they used to do, Bob, is that you would serve your yeah, good idea. You would serve your sentence, right? You would serve your sentence, and if you behaved yourself, you would be given a parcel of land, and you would they would tell you to work that land. And part of that was if they if you found any indigenous stuff on that land, the crown would take the land back. So of course, being Imagine that, you know, and it's how you got to try and get into the mindset. Imagine, I didn't know that one. Yeah, man. Imagine, imagine being in this mindset, Bob. You've stolen a loaf of bread to feed your family, right? 
as a result of that, you've been sent across the oceans for six months to a country you've never seen before. You're put in chains and made to work and build these, well, a lot of these buildings we see in Sydney and Melbourne and stuff like that. A lot of these flash government buildings that are old, the old ones, they were built by basically slaves, mate. You know what I mean? The, the penal colony. They were built by these people that were sent over um, as punishment. Um, and then you work your knuckles to the bone. Uh, and as a result of that, you're given a piece of land. And you're told to work that land and basically clear it of anything that you see. Because if there's anything there that is of you know Indigenous heritage or culture, um, they take the land back off you. So, you know, and whilst we look at that and go, oh, my God, that's tragic. But think about the person, right? Think about, you know, you've just survived this horrific journey. You've survived being um, held together in chains and you've been given an opportunity and maybe you might get a chance to bring your family over. You're just going to do what you're told, right? You're going to do what you have to do, as all people do. Um, and you got to remember, too, that the English painted the Indigenous people here as savages. And, you know, there was a whole narrative that's at play. And, you know, and, you know we could talk about overlapping narratives still to this day. However, um, that's what happened back then, Bob. So a lot of stuff was destroyed that, that was done by some of the settlers, but they didn't do it out of malice. They didn't do it out of anything else apart from survival, Bob. And I think we need to have a, a different perspective and understanding on that. Sure, some of them were assholes and some of them did heinous things. However, not all of them. You know, not all people are like that. You know what I mean? Um, and, it, and if we fast forward into the 1800s here in Australia, um, it became, it was, it was a penal colony, but there was also some aristocracy was coming here. Um, and then, you know, I know in the, it was the 1830s or 40s was the California gold boom, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then... Yeah, it was 18, I think it was, it was 1820s, 30s with a big gold boom in California. The next big, yeah, we had a couple, you guys had a couple, didn't you? Um, yeah. That one of the next big ones internationally was Ballarat in Victoria, in Australia. Okay. Um, an hour south, and I said an hour north of Melbourne. And there's still, but to, just so you understand, there's still a gold mine there to this day. They're still pulling gold out of the ground in Ballarat right now, as we sit here, a uh, hundred and what's that? 170 years later. Um, to have an understanding yeah. of how much gold is there. So obviously that attracted There's people. A There's a lot of gold in Australia. Yeah. For sure. Some of the most purest gold in the world too, Bob. That's the thing about some of our resources because we are the oldest rock on the planet. There is a lot of purity in Western Australia, there's an exposed, there's rock exposed in Western Australia that is over 3 billion years old. So I'm pretty sure that the, 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 the biggest, the oldest piece of rock that has been exposed above the ocean is here in Australia. Um, well, if I, could, if I could add, one of the reasons that Australia, uh, the gold and the precious metals are on the surface is because Australia went through a very violent um, chain of events. Absolutely. That, I mean, tsunamis, I mean, mm. went 
five, six hundred miles inland, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. No, you're also not mistaken. from the north to the south, there has been massive, massive catastrophes where yeah, tsunamis I think... have come in. And I forget the name of the uh, the system, but it goes all the way from the north to the south. So everything, almost everything on top is gone. Yeah. And I think if you look, uh, I, I, I've got it here somewhere, but it'll take me a minute to find it. But I'm pretty sure there is 19 major impact craters on Australia, right? So, you know, and people don't understand how big Australia is. Um, it's massive, right? Um, and yeah, there's 19 impact craters across Australia. And we're not talking piddly ones either. We're talking like massive 600, 700-meter wide craters, um, yeah, we've been peppered, man. You know, Australia has copped a lot, and especially yeah, tsunamis, absolutely. Um, being being on either side of us is the major ocean, so any impacts in any of those oceans, they, you know, the the wave runs across the land, man. You know, and it's, um, you know, once upon a time we had an inland sea. Um, you know, Lake Eyre in South Australia is the leftover of the inland sea, um, and that was massive as well. Like it would, it was literally an inland sea, like it compared to the Mediterranean in its size um that's how well, i that's believe how... it covered about it covered over a third yeah of the continent. yeah over a third yeah. of the continent yeah yeah over a third of the continent was covered in water but it was inland it was not actually um it was attached to the ocean in the south and obviously a river from the north but that's how big it was it was over a third um yeah. you know Massive. like we we find i, I mean a, a bit of a history about me mate i spent you know, um, over 10 years, uh, FIFO, which is fly in, fly out, working mining oil and gas. Um, and it's not uncommon for me to be in the middle of the desert um, and find seashells. You know what I mean? Like you're just cruising around there and here's a perfect seashell. Um, that's, you know, we're, yeah, we're, find them here in Peru too. yeah, yeah. 500 Ks from the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, and we're finding shells. Yeah. Australia is a very dynamic place, man. And, um, it's uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating country, and I'm, I'm very much a student of it. I, I've been in every single state in Australia, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I spent some time in Arnhem Land with some Indigenous brothers and sisters up there, uh, doing some very interesting stuff. However, where I want to drill down today, mate, is is into the stockade, is into the Eureka stockade, and what happened during that time, and. Basically, during the gold rush, obviously the red coats were in charge, um, as they were. I oh, know you guys had already had your independence. What year are we talking? We're talking eighteen uh, fifties. Okay. Yeah, eighteen fifties. So the, the stockade took place in eighteen fifty four, is when it took place. Okay, um, you got to remember that theoretically Australia has only been um, around since seventeen eighty eight. Was the was the foundation of Australia? Okay, so it's only what's that? You know, roughly seventy years or so um, after. Yeah, yeah. I can't keep track of all the numbers. That's all right, mate. Don't worry about it. It's about seventy years. Yeah. And as I say, yeah, I saw... a... you're all right, mate. No, I was just saying it's a confusing thing because, you know, I. Personally, uh, I I studied Australia. I studied the government. I studied uh, how the English, you know, 
did. I mean, in America, I mean, we we took matters in our own hands mm. and get the hell out of here. Mm. Well, look, we we are still we are still under the thumb of the Commonwealth. I know you are. I yeah. know you are. They say that you're independent, no. but everything I see today reminds me of what England tried to do to Americans. Absolutely. And that's why we that's why we we revolted. Mm. And the English, and I'm talking about the crown and, and all mm. of them folks. I mean, there are some very good English people I know. Absolutely. But the the crown will do anything it can. Yeah. To stay where it's at. To my time is crumbling. I mean, the Ooh, empire yeah. is crumbling. And Australia is one of the last places on the planet that they can actually move to. Yeah, and they can still con- and the the the, lev- the level of control that they still have has been actually quite disturbing to watch, mate. Um, it's, it's been quite disturbing. But I want I want to share with people the the time that we stood up, yeah, and um, so they can remember what courage is all about. Absolutely, you know, mate. If I if that's one of the things I think I, I I've seen in Australia is the beatdown. That has yeah. gone on every every since every since uh, Botany Bay, yeah. Uh, the beatdown of the people mm-hmm. and their psyche mm-hmm. and their their will. Mm. And like I and said, that, it, it's I just, it's like I said too, mate. It's disgusting what happened to the indigenous population. However, to pretend it didn't happen to the uh, white Australian population as well is not true. You know what I mean? It, it, there is. There has been suppression of us. There has been all of those things. But it is overshadowed by what happened to the Indigenous. And so it should be. But to pretend that there's not another side to the story, there definitely is. So let me take you back, man. Let me take you back. Let me take you on a journey, dude. I'm going to take you back to 1854. Or 1853, actually. We're going to go back to 1853. And gold is... The hills are alive with the sound of gold pans and, and picks and axes. And in Ballarat in Victoria, it's a very um, cold climate. It's a very wet and it's a clay-based soil, right? So it's very slippery. And these boys are dropping shafts um, in to try and find the find the court seams to find the gold. And you've got to understand too, mate, is that people came from all over the planet, all over the planet. There's not a, a single uh, continent that wasn't represented there on the gold fields in Ballarat, okay? And... What they used to have to do, they used to have to apply for a gold license, okay, in order to mine. So you'd you'd, you'd get your plot of land and you would apply for a license to mine that land, and that and you had to renew that gold license on a regular basis. However, what would happen? Remember, it's rainy, it's cold, it's clay-based soil, so it's always wet. These boys were always wet and muddy, and they didn't have plastic back then, so their gold licenses were paper. So what do you do? You keep your gold license in a lockbox in your tent, okay? Because that's the way it'll survive. And the redcoats would come around and they would ask you to provide your gold license. And obviously you couldn't because you keep it in the lockbox with all your precious things because that's your precious space. If you could not produce your gold license or if you could not produce your papers, Bob, okay, just so we can put that lens on it. If you could not produce your papers, 
you were put in the stocks. On the spot. On, on the, the spot. On the spot. So you would be okay. chained, you would either be chained to a log, right? So you would be chained to a log um, for as long as they deemed whatever necessary, or you'd be put in the stocks, you know what I mean? So that's the two holes, your arms through and your head through. Right. And you and you would be held there for as long as the red coats deemed necessary, I suppose. Um, and again, no one was discriminated against with that. Okay. So there was over, as I said, there's so many representatives of so many countries in Ballarat at that time. And everyone was cool. You know what I mean? They worked together. There was obviously segregation between different cultures, but everyone by and large respected each other because they were all there for the same thing. They were either there to find the gold or to help to make money off those who were finding the gold. Okay. Right. Supplying, yeah, yeah, supplying equipment, food, etc. Okay, and it went on and it got worse and worse. Where the redcoats would basically, and I'm pretty sure there was a couple of hangings in relation to uh people not being able to provide their papers. Um, but again, but again, you, you there was no way you could, right? You're down a mine shaft, you're already dealing with water and clay, like a piece of paper would just disintegrate in a day. Right. So there, there was no way it was, it was a, it was a misconception that they'd be able to carry their papers around anyway. Um, and the red coats, look, we know what the red coats were like. They were just using it as an excuse. So sometime in the, at the start of 1850, in, during 1854, a rebellion started and basically the miners, and again, representatives from multiple countries, got together and decided that there was enough was enough. Uh, they couldn't take the punishment they were being doled out because it was unnecessary and it was unlawful and it was injustice on the highest scale. And it was a guy by the name of Peter Layla. He, he basically got a, a group of miners together and they started to meet in secret. And they called themselves the Eureka. Okay. And they had a flag, mate. Okay. I'm going to show you this flag. Give me a second here. Um, this is the, that there is the, um, that's obviously a computer rendition of the flag. Okay. Um, uh -huh. And I've seen that flag before. I didn't yeah. know what it was. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Eureka Stockade flag. In fact, the original one still exists, Bob. There it is there. Okay. So that's the original one from uh -huh. the 1850s. Uh, that's hanging in the museum in Ballarat in Victoria. Uh, that's the original one. And obviously a little similar to the, the flag that you guys raised in America. You know, the women got together and they made that flag. Okay. Now this is a, you know, go, cross. it's the Southern Cross, mate. It's the Southern Cross, right? Now, the interesting thing about the Eureka Stockade flag, Bob, is that there's actually been no flag in the world that more countries or representatives from more countries have stood under voluntarily, regardless of color, creed, or religion. Okay? So in order to be part of the Eureka Rebellion, you used to have to take an oath, and it's called the Digger's Oath. Okay, and this is like I said before that we still call our soldiers diggers, and it's because of this digger's oath, right? It dates back to this time, and the digger's oath was, 
we swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other to defend our rights and liberties. Okay? That was the digger's oath. And in order to be part of the Eureka Rebellion, you had to take that oath under that flag. Okay? And it was actually specified that every, all were welcome. There was no separation. It didn't matter who you were. If you wanted to join the cause and you were willing to take the digger's oath, you were welcome. And they were trying to do it properly. They were trying to go through the, the government at the time. But it became clear the Redcoats got a bit of a sniff about the rebellion. And it became clear that they were going to fight against it. Okay. And what happened, there's a representation. There's a, I'll probably can give me a second. Um, there was a hotel that burnt to the ground, the Eureka Hotel. And there's a bit of conspiracy around that as to who started the fire. And some of the boys who took the digger's oath uh, died in that fire. And you can imagine that that was not taken very well by the rest of the men who had taken the digger's oath. So they created a stockade. Oh, here we go. Here's them taking the digger. There's, there's swearing allegiance to the Southern Cross, December 1st, 1854. So it all came to a head. And they came and they got their... their Look, and there's literally pickaxes and, and pitchforks. Some of them had rifles. Obviously, back then, we're talking about single-shot rifles. Um, but this is December 1st, where they came together, they raised the flag, and they made it clear that they had sworn allegiance to the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other to defend our rights and liberties. Oh, there's another picture of the flag there. And... They made a stockade, right? So they, they basically just drew a, basically drew a line in the sand and they built um, defences, you, know, you know, spikes on, uh, you know, spikes facing out. Um, and what happened was, I mean, these were family men, Bob. These were men that were trying to earn their living. That's all they wanted to do. They just wanted to mine gold to try and find their fortune, mate. You know, they, they weren't soldiers. They, would, they were miners, and they just wanted to defend. They just they were tired of being, um, basically harassed and punished, and they wanted well, to stand I, up. Americans were quite familiar with the tactics that the Redcoats was calling the Redcoats because uh, they were Scottish, they were English, they were mercenaries. Yeah, um, but they all wore that bloody red coat, didn't they? Yeah. But the thing is, is we know firsthand about the tyranny and the, the methods mm. that the arrogance mm. and the arrogance, I should say, mm. of the, the British officers and the British soldiers, period. Mm. They always have felt they were more superior than mm -hmm. everybody else, mm -hmm. okay? And we delivered them probably the biggest defeat and loss that they've ever had. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I have nothing against the English people. Definitely not the Scottish people. No. Because we know what they did to Scotland. To Scotland. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, we know what they did to and, the Scottish. Yeah. And they're still trying to do it. Okay? I know. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. They're still trying to flex their muscles. And the thing is, is they're so atrophied. 
and they have become so self-reliant on ruling other countries and robbing their resources, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. that's what's happened. Okay. And now I'm seeing the same thing go down in Australia. Exactly, Mike. Exactly. They tried to pull on us. Absolutely. And the sad thing about it is <clears throat> probably a little bit before your time to stand up and say something, they pulled off a false flag. I mean, it's been, I mean, the evidence is on the table. Uh, yeah. The Port Arthur. Uh, Port Arthur Massacre. Yeah. It. They set that poor kid up. Mm-hmm. To take you know, the do, you know, do you know, Bob, that those files are still locked? You cannot, they had a big uh, crown, in, crown inquiry. Notice the words there. The crown investigated. Uh-huh. And those papers here in Australia are still locked. We cannot see um, those papers. And look, you know, there, there's a well, whole. No, they're not going to show it to you. They want to get. They want to keep the identity genocide, which they are known. The Crown are known perpetrators of mm-hmm. identity genocide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Look. Yeah. Look. Um, you know, Martin Bryant was the guy that you're talking about, and he he was definitely set up. And, you know, professional marksmen could not do what that guy supposedly did. Um, you know, single shot kills 35 people. Like, yeah, it, it, for sure it was a false flag. Um, yeah, how far out, you know, that's, that's the thing. There's so many flaws in hmm. that investigation hmm. and what they used to convince the Australian people to give up their guns. Absolutely. See, that's where... That's one of the things in America that we have guaranteed mm. in the Second Amendment. Mm. And look, you, you know, <laughs> you you boys might take it a bit too far, but at least you've got it there. You know what I mean? At least it's there. You have that in your constitution. You know what I mean? No, wait a minute. What do you mean by taking it too far? <laughs> like, you, you, you mad bastards for your guns. <laughs> you just... No. No, see, that's just it. Responsible gun owners. Yes, you are right. Are yeah. Responsible. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Just because we have, I mean, that right goes all the way through the citizens of America. Mm. And we have bad elements. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the way they use those weapons. Yeah, well, uh, gun, well, what is it? Guns don't kill people, people kill people. You know what I mean? People kill people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Religions kill people. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's so many things that kill people, mm. but somebody's got to pull the trigger. That's right. Okay? I mean, and that's the bottom line. A gun does not shoot itself, that's unless, right. of course, you're irresponsible and you drop your loaded weapon on the ground, mm. or you're out hunting and you accidentally kill yourself, or you kill somebody that's in the hunting party. Mm. Somebody still has to pull that trigger or yeah. be completely irresponsible for someone to break out in blood. Okay. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very true. Uh, very true. Very true. You should break out in blood, you know? Mm. Very true. And, well, uh, do you know what, mate? Do you back, look, to, back to your story. I yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You, totally. Look, man, we, we go point, where we're going to go. And, and that's one of the things about Americans that are worried. We're actually worried about you folks down in Australia because we know that you don't have anything to defend yourself with uh, against tyranny. Mm. At least we have, not only do we have the right to bear arms, but in every state, 
There are militias. Okay, mm-hmm. we have the right to form our own militias. They are armed. They have weapons that are almost equal to what the United States military has. Yeah, and look, so, I can. Yeah, look, they might not be. Yeah, day, America has the largest non-standing army on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and look, that's, I think that's there's. All right. Absolutely. And, and, and so it should be, you know what I mean? I was trying to make a bit of a joke there, Bob, you know what I mean? Cause I've known a few boys over the years that, you know, but you are right. You are totally right. And, 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 and we don't have, we have a constitution, but we're not taught that. Like we're not taught the story that I'm trying to, I'm sharing with you today, mate. You know, we're not taught that once upon a time we rebelled, right? We're not taught this okay. stuff. And, you know, and, and you want to talk about blood? How do you think it ended, mate? That's how it ended. A lot of blood. <laughs> right? See that picture there, man? That's how it ended, right? In fact, you know what the Redcoats did? So basically, they, the stockade was put up. And during the day, um, all the representatives were manning the stockade. But like I said, Bob, these are family men. These are men that ran businesses. These are people that are trying to make a living. So during the night, they would go home. Okay. And the Redcoats figured out that the stockade wasn't manned to its full strength at night. So what did they do? They came in the middle of the night and slaughtered those men in their sleep. And you can imagine what happened the next day. There's a picture of what happened the next day. And basically what happened after the slaughter because they couldn't get they like the redcoats thought they could get away with slaughtering men in the middle of the night, which they did. But the shock of that through the colonies, the fact that they had the uh, audacity to do that, basically they had to relinquish um, some of their power, and that is the birthplace of the Australian spirit. And some would say. Like we've got two parties down here, similarly, we've got liberal and labor and liberals, different interpretation to what you guys have up there. Um, but that some would say that was the birthplace of the labor party, um, yeah, the labor movement, you know, get, getting basic rights for the workers, um, basic rights for the people. But some brave men and women will, you know, were slaughtered in their sleep to make that happen. But they had the courage to stand up, man. You know? Right. And do you know what? Do you know you talk about suppression, right? See, if I, I, I could, I've got the Eureka, that flag that you see there in the picture, I've got it tattooed on my leg. That's how much I right. I'm believe right. in that, right? But it's seen in Australia because they do not tell the story. It is, I guarantee to a lot of my Australian listeners who will listen to this, they're being told for the first time what truly happened. The Eureka Stockade flag down here is seen at times as be, it's been labelled as being racist. There is no, like I, I'll, I'll reiterate it for you, Bob, there is no flag, probably that it would rival the American flag because I know you guys were multicultural when that started, right? The original Civil War flag, you know, many countries came together to stand under it. As far as I understand, there is no flag on the planet that more countries have voluntarily stood under 
against oppression, regardless of color, creed, or religion. How you can label this flag racist is, 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 is a prime example of the oppression and the suppression that we have faced here down under right? <clears throat> and, and not actually sharing the true story of this. And let me reiterate, Bob, they fought not to have to carry papers around with them because it was unjust and an invasion of civil liberties, right? And now we look around the, now, and now what do we do, man? We look around the globe now. They're trying to implement vaccine passports. They're trying to, you know what I mean? We, we're supposed to be tracked everywhere we go down here at the moment, mate. Every shop you go into, you're supposed to log in and let the government track you. Right. Right? Right. George Orwell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I saw a meme the other day. Uh, and it was like a, it was like had a picture of George Orwell. It was like, uh, I, I wrote this as a warning, not a fucking instruction manual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you were talking about uh, suppression and stuff. When I went through school, we had what they called civics class. Okay. And we were taught, we were taught about the Bill of Rights. Yeah. We were taught about the Constitution. We were taught why it all came about. Mm -hmm. And then after, after that, they started watering down. They, they deleted civics class completely. Mm -hmm. And they have dumbed down Americans to the point they don't even know what the Constitution is. Mm. Uh, they don't even know what the Bill of Rights are. Yeah. Except for their uh, Fifth Amendment and uh what is for i forget there's so many of them mm. but you know they don't have to you know speak up to incriminate themselves yada 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 mm. but people don't realize that bill of rights is there for a reason mm. and that's to protect us from tyranny mm. because our founding fathers they saw the future mm. and they were able to set it up in a way the constitutional republic mm. in a way that they might get away with it for a while mm. but when they wake the sleeping giant they don't realize the power of the people mm. yeah. and uh, yeah. that's what's going on in America right now I mean when I started my first, when I started the USOCs, the Unsecret Order of King Snakes, uh, it was a joke because it was a parrot, you know, it was kind of satirical, making yeah. fun of all these secret societies mm -hmm. and all these little cliques, let's call them, mm. that are working to kill America mm. because everybody wants America. You know, and uh, th that's the part about it. You know, we're not going to give up America. I had some guy from Scotland today who said that our constitution was just a piece of paper. Yeah, right. And I told him, I said, yeah, that piece of paper is covered in blood. Mm -hmm. And 
if it wasn't for a lot of that blood that was spilled during World War II, mm-hmm. they'd be speaking German right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't heard from that guy. I haven't heard from that guy. <laughs> he he, he, he didn't, didn't come back again, do you, mate? No. No. The thing is, is people don't understand America. Mm. They don't understand what we will do to protect our freedoms. Mm. And look, I think, you know, I know that, um, you know, we, the Americans. I've got to add that in. And others. Mm. I mean, look at what we've done. We, World War II, 357,000 dead. Mm -hmm. I don't even know the number of wounded because you have different kinds of wounds. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You have the physical wounds, and then you have the mental wounds. And that's what I was raised in. I was raised uh, uh, around World War II vets and Korean War vets. Yeah. So I have an insight when it comes to that. I do want to ask you about that. I I, I do want to ask you about that. I think it's worth exploring, too, that – yeah, you talk about even World War One, right? So when when America entered into World War One, it became pretty clear that to the Americans that the Aussies were some of the best soldiers, you know, and the Americans exactly. We've always held the Aussie soldiers to, with high high respect. Yeah, that's Aussie. right. You know, the Americans and the Aussies fought by, side by side in the trenches in World War One. I. I know we helped you boys in World War One get acclimatized, and we helped move forward, right? And we push that towards the armistice right and then again in world war ii you know when america joined the fight they they came and helped us in papua new guinea you know we were trying desperately we fought that war on two fronts we fought that war on two fronts you know we know what and he just to keep to keep fascism in check and what's scary mate is that what is going on? And it's the governments of, it's the major Western governments. They're engaging in tyranny. They're engaging in fascism. They're engaging in the very things that our grandfathers bled to not make happen. And as you say, there's many wounds that come back from World War II. Yeah. You know, I know my grandfather served any in war, Korea. Any war. Yeah. Any war. Yeah. You know, I have two sons that fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. And both of them, both of them were wounded physically and both of them have PTSD. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And America basically, actually those vets have the opportunity to get help. Yeah. Much more than their their forefathers did. To assimilate back into society, Mm. back in Vietnam, for one, they treated those soldiers like they were nothing. You oh, you want to the thing about Vietnam? You want to want to talk about disgusting false flags, mate? You know what I mean? Like Vietnam's another, you know, false flag that created Vietnam is also, you know, what? Why? You know, we could talk about well, Afghanistan now. Why? You know what I mean? Like why? Well, you know, Eisenhower, President Eisenhower. The week before he left office. Oh, his speech. I know what you're about to talk. His speech his was amazing. Speech yeah. On the industrial military complex. Yeah. And he warned us. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was suppressed. It wasn't taught to us. No. Uh, luckily for me, in a sense, uh, I was raised in a military uh, 
world. Mm. And we, we saw that speech over and over and over again when we lived in Germany. Mm. And, and I think the other it, thing you talk about industrial complexes, Bob, the one that we're fighting now isn't necessarily military. It's the pharmaceutical industrial complex that we are Yeah, it's fighting. the industrial medical complex. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know. But, yeah, look, we'll, we'll end with the stockade because what I actually decided today is I'm actually probably going to do a multi-part podcast series on the Eureka Stockade just to um, let people well, – a bit more detail, you know? Or have you got any questions yeah, about think, it? Have you got any questions about it before we move on, mate? I think that'd be a good idea because I don't think people know their history. Well, actually, I know they don't they know, know their don't. history. That's because right. Because yeah. I run into people who, who are pretty intelligent, okay? Mm. And, I mean, they can string the sentence together with $50 words. Mm. But when it comes down to understanding what's going on around them, mm. I mean, they're not the sharpest pencil in the box. You know what no, I mean? no. Well, mate, uh, we'll, we'll take. I'll, I'll, I'll stop share that flag there. But look, man, that's the Eureka Stockade flag, dude. That that's a brief, very brief. There's a lot of nuance, obviously, in detail, but that's a very brief understanding. And I just want to reiterate for my Australian. Research on that. I'm going to do some of my own research on this because uh, it's it, it's it's very kind of heartwarming to know that there has been. Yeah, I, mean, I I told a friend of mine today that after the Melbourne uh, incident, uh, I, I forget what was that happened yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, like yesterday, yeah. And I was very surprised. I was I was surprised to see that happen because I didn't think, and it goes to show that you you don't always have the right thought. But I didn't think the Australian people had it in them to stand up. And say, hey, enough is enough. Oh, mate, look, let me. I'll while that you, I'm going to leave that flag up while I say what I'm about to say, Bob. What right the on. government, what what the governments of Australia do not understand and have never understood. Like I come from a military family too, right? I chose not to serve because I didn't want to go to the desert for oil. Okay, to be perfectly honest, right? However, understand this: the reason that. Aussies are regarded as the best soldiers in the world. Take myself, for instance. I spent many years in the desert. I've been in the jungles. I've done the hard yards. And there is many, like, outside that door, Bob, is a gym. I train by myself. I do not need anyone to help me train. There is many, many, many men like myself who all we wanted to do, Bob, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a podcaster, and I'm a father. And I wanted to teach my community. I wanted to raise my children. And I wanted to explore ancient megaliths, man. That's all I wanted to do. And I wanted to do it in peace. However, what the Australian government doesn't understand is that many, many men who are, uh, garden, are warriors in a garden, okay? And we are being pushed to a point where there is no turning back. The reason that we are as men regarded, regarded across the world as blokes that will get stuff done is we'll do the hard yards. You want mud and blood? We'll give you mud and blood. And we're getting tired, man. There's a whole heap of boys that would rather remain silent and would rather be peaceful 
right? Exactly. But they uh, okay. back you up against the wall. Exactly. They're, they're pushing us into a corner. And they don't know. They don't know what is going to happen if they continue to push us, right? Do you, you, you would, you would know um, Jordan Peterson, yeah? Um, yeah, he's a, um, he's a, he's an interesting guy, um, and he's, he's a guy that um, I'm trying to find something. Uh, he says a a harmless man. Uh, I don't want to mess it up, but just understand, mate, understand that when we talk about, here we go, a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. Exactly. And there's a lot of boys, our, all, our, all our vets, mate. I mean, I know, I know I can't, my heart goes out to your sons with Afghanistan. I've got friends of mine that served in Afghanistan. They bled in Afghanistan. And there's a lot of those boys that are fed up too. And there's a lot of other boys that are fed up as well. And, and girls for that matter. And there's, as I say, there's a lot of boys that we're harmless because we choose to be, not because we're harmless. Exactly. And, and if our government continues to push us, they are not prepared for what will happen. And under the Southern Cross, mate, as I sit here right now, I swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by my, my fellow brothers and sisters here in Australia to defend our rights and liberties because it's getting enough. And, you know, they are beginning to push us into a corner. The thing about an Aussie, mate, you push us into a corner, you better be bloody ready. You better be ready for what's coming next. You know what I mean? And... I hear Well, Americans are like that too, Tripp. That's why we, we get along, man. That's why we're brothers in arms yeah. because we're I the can't same. Say you know? who, who, who is a better soldier? Uh, because I've never served mm. with an Australian soldier, but I have done my research on the Z Force, on uh, uh, the special ops that they mm. have pulled off uh, over in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. and the lies that were lost. So I, I have respect for the soldiers that come mm -hmm. from Australia, and along with my American counterparts, because I've seen a lot of them. I, I didn't go to Vietnam. I was on, uh, thank God, uh, I was on levy, as they call it. We were issued levy in November, and... Uh, of 1971 mm -hmm. and we were to go in may of 72 and in the time that i was in my unit which was the 509th airborne infantry mechanized mm -hmm. uh, we were a nato strike force what they had done is they had brought in all these young recruits like me that would turn 19 before the May deployment. Right. So there was a lot of us 19-year-olds uh, that were spared to war. Mm. But uh, I was around so many of the vets that had mm. been there. Uh, I've seen them go through some 
crazy shit, man. Pardon mm. my French, but no, no. I mean, I've, I've seen them tear a barracks room apart mm. because they had a flashback on something that happened over in Vietnam. Mm. And every soldier, I mean, back in World War One, they came home, they called it shell shock. Shell shock, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, World War II, I forget the term. Uh, they uh, battle, battle fatigue. Battle fatigue, I yeah, think, was World War II. Battle yeah. fatigue. Yeah. Uh, you know, and all, I mean, all of that. And the American people, they, they look at a person, and if they see scars or deformities, missing a leg, missing an arm, missing an eye, half their face, mm. they can relate to that. Mm. But they can't relate to seeing somebody who actually survived it, mm. might have a few scars, but they just can't pull it together. Yeah, the mental, the mental. Why yeah. they can't pull it together is because they saw too much. Mm -hmm. And I, I have, I was diagnosed in 2010, okay, uh, with post-traumatic stress disorder okay childhood yeah right. childhood mm -hmm. because i had been raised around too much war yeah it was all violence I mean, yeah and it became it became a condition i mm. mean i i mean i i don't know how to explain it because i knew there was something wrong but i had no idea that it was ptsd mm. and once i found out that was only 11 years ago mm. When I found out that that's what it was, I've been able to take corrected measures yeah. and uh, <clears throat> deal with it. Mm. But I didn't. I didn't see blood. Uh, you know, I didn't see my comrades killed standing mm. next to me. Mm. I didn't see any of that. I just heard about it and watched it on our uh, government program TV. Mm. under martial law in Germany. I saw footage of things that no seven, eight, nine, ten year old child should ever see. So can I do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions about that? Because this is some of the things I'll I'll take that flag down, mate. But some of the things that I, I'm curious and look only share what you're comfortable sharing, Bob, please. Um however where this ends, right? If we don't do something not only here in Australia but in America and all over the world where these governments are pushing this narrative um, which is total control um, it ends in some sort of martial law so you were there you were there in Germany as a child at the height of the Cold War and you know What's some of what what what's a couple of things that you could share with the people that could give them an understanding or a perspective that they don't have? Because you know, I think there's the other there's the other saying too, Bob, where it's like um, um, uh, hard men, uh, so hard times, hard men, hard no, hard men, no, soft men create hard times, hard men create good times, good times create soft men. Now we're soft at the moment, okay, and we don't have an understanding. We've 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 lived a pretty cruisy life for the last sort of fifty years or so, yeah. Um, you know, we've been prosperous, and you know, everybody's fat on all the sugars and everything that we consume, and technology, and blah blah blah. 
But not so long ago, there was a different perspective. And I think the problem is, is that we're far enough removed from World War II and the ramifications of that, that we might be stupid enough to do it again. Um, and people don't understand. Look, what you don't see, Bob, is two big bookcases either side of me here, and they're full of history books. Um, they're full of history books on 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 the Cold War, on World War Two, on World War One, um, all this stuff. And I've read everything, right? So I have an understanding. I can tell. I can tell you. I can tell you've done your research. Um, yeah. But what what what's something that you could share with the people? What are we looking at if we don't pull this up? If we don't arrest the pharmaceutical industrial complex these days, as opposed to the military industrial complex, and they continue to try and take control, what does martial law actually look like? You know what I mean? Like, what what's something you could share with us? Well, I get chills. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, only only what you're comfortable with, man. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um... No, no. I, actually, I think it's time to be comfortable with it all. Okay. I've learned to deal with it. Uh, even though we were military, we were under martial law. Okay. okay? Not only were the German people uh, under martial law, but so were we. We had to follow martial law. Um, yeah, we had, you know, more liberties in, in the sense that we could uh, go where we wanted to go. Uh, usually it was from one military base to the next kind of a deal, you know, over to the the commissary in, uh, what was it called, Babenhausen, because it always had, you know, or over to the uh, PX, the post exchange, where you bought all your uh, your goods, uh, mm. dry goods and that kind and of And what, what year are we talking here, Bob? What, what's the years we're talking here, just for people's understanding? Between 1959 and 1966. So that's that's only 80 years ago, just so we put it into perspective, right? To 70 years ago. It's no, not that long ago. That's less than 80 years. I'm yeah, it's less 68. than 80. Yeah, no, no. It's, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, so it's it's not even. I went yeah. over there. Okay, the thing is, is, I went over there after I lived in France for three years. Yeah, right. So post-war yeah. France too. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and I lived uh, I lived amongst the French people. As a matter of fact, I spoke more French because of my isolation. Uh, I spoke more French than I did English. Because yeah, because yeah, of your age, yeah, yeah, right. Mm. And you know, of course, France was. I mean, they loved us until mm. De Gaulle said, "Yeah, you guys got to go." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that was all good. You know, I I didn't care about that at all, but. Uh, I came back to the States and I flunked everything in school because I spoke more French. Yeah, you, did, couldn't, you didn't speak the language. Yeah, right. And then we moved to Germany in 1959 after, I think it was about a year that we were back in the States. Uh, yeah, a year. Kind of like pre uh, kindergarten year. Mm -hmm. And when I we moved to Germany. Uh, we went over on a ship. Uh, it was called the HMS Patch. It was a Liberty ship. Yeah. And uh, there were soldiers, and you know they were down under the waterline. <laughs> and uh, 
But anyway, the darker, I mean, the closer we got to Germany, it seemed like the darker the atmosphere became. Mm. And we went to Bremerhaven, which is a port in Germany. And it took us five days on a train uh, to get where we were going at a Schaffenburg. And I reflect back on that train ride, especially when I, you know, see the dissidents, I'll call them, Mm -hmm. uh, as the Nazis loaded them up on those train cars. Mm -hmm. And I hear that clank, 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 clank. They had the old train cars back then. And even though we were in that sleeper, uh, that's that's what I remember and how dark Germany was. I mean, just as a country itself, we went over in October. So anyway, to get to the point, once we get to a Schaffenberg, we uh, lived in the beginning in a little town called uh, Schweinfurt or Schweinheim. There were so many of those that uh, and, you know, I became friends with a lot of the German boys mm. around the area. And we always used to play cowboys and Indians. Mm-hmm. And I was always the Indian uh, because they wanted, <laughs> they wanted to be the cowboy, you know. Yeah. And we used to play out in, the, in this field uh, that was massive. It was massive. And we I mean, there were hills and I mean, just all kinds of really cool things, you know, to play in and hide and play army and do all that stuff. But at one end of it, there was a pile of concrete. Uh, I guess, it no, it was a pile is, doesn't give it enough credit. It was probably at least a mile long, 40, 50, 60 feet tall. And it was nothing but concrete, rebar, and everything that had been piled up. Well, it didn't dawn on me what that was. And Mm. I'll get to that in a minute. Mm. But I started school, first grade in school. And we went to school in a military school. Mm. All the teachers were officers' wives. uh, And we were taught from the old books we were taught from the old good stuff yeah well as i grew older i started noticing you know what martial law was um we had a ration card that was allotted to our family and (laughs) to me it was a starvation diet yeah okay uh, we were allotted so much gas, mm-hmm. only gasoline. We were, and people would, that was kind of like the back currency. I mean, people would trade their gas ration for this or the, you know. Did a black market stuff how, going on. Yeah. Yeah, black market. That, that, the black market was rife. I mean, we bought so much stuff off the black market just to survive. And we I were mean, a military family. I was just going to say, right? So you guys, you guys are there. You know, and look to to paint a picture for everyone. Nineteen fifty nine, the the tanks are lined up against each other between West Germany and East Germany, aren't they? They're lined up. Yep. They're 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 pointing at each other. 
Um, you know, and, and isn't I was it, there know, when they built the wall. I, I was there when they built the wall. Okay? And the tension drove a lot of housewives, a lot of soldiers' wives to suicide. They were committing suicide because they were locked in a, a nuclear zone and could not get out of it. My mother would my mother was crazy yeah. okay, over there. And well, she was crazy already, but uh, that didn't help at all. Uh, the Cold War, yeah, we had constantly the threat, red alerts. My, my dad getting phone calls at two o'clock in the morning and we wouldn't see him for months. One time it was nine months. That nine months disappeared. Yeah, right. Now, well, and that was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, right. We so what? What? So that. what? So what? What were you? What field were you playing in, mate? What? Where were you playing? Like, what was that concrete? Okay. Well, I, I made. Okay, I joined the army myself, and you know I had. Trying to follow, well, my dad wanted to be a follower in his footsteps. And I, I'd been raised to become officer stock. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I, a buddy of mine and I, we grabbed us a couple bottles of wine. We jumped on the train and we found our way back to this town. Well, somehow I found my way back to the park that was above our houses. And we were sitting there drinking the wine, and laughing and joking. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me what those hills and those holes and everything were. They were bomb craters yeah. that had grassed over. Mm -hmm. You know, they, the grass had covered them up and the whole bit. The carpet bomb, they bombed, a, I think it was a ball bearing factory or something like that. Mm -hmm. and took out the heart of this town. And that's what that pile of concrete was. Was the, was the leftovers uh, of the factory. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the realization when that slapped me in the face, it was like, whoa. I mean, yeah. I really, I mean, all those years. I used to have these weird dreams when, I was, when we lived in that place that giants were stomping on the ground. Yeah, right. And it was... Yeah, and I don't know to this day. I, you know, I'm going. Was I hearing the bombs? The the bombs hit. You know, was I hearing the repercussion from the earth? Mm. You know, I mean that that's the kind of shit that triggers or makes childhood PTSD. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, well, that's the thing. Know, that, I mean, yeah. that's that's. Well, what they did is they sent. Okay, we found this out later. They sent us the whole families and everything into Germany just to show the Soviets that we weren't afraid to die. Yeah, right. So you guys were there as cannon fodder, basically, if it had gone down. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, we were given a escape route uh, that had to take us all the way into, I forget where it was in France. I think it was it's either Marseille or Cherbourg. Yeah, through Cherbourg, down through Cherbourg, down through Belgium into France, or something like that. It would have been something on those lines. Yeah, I, I, some of this stuff is, is a little gray now. That's okay. But I can remember we had to make we had to make that trip one time because if we were to go to war, my mother would have to drive us 
in the so flats. You had, you had to know what to do. Yeah, you had to do a run, basically. Right. Well, I was, I must have been maybe six, maybe six, seven, when we made that trip. Yeah. I thought it was real. I thought it was real. I yeah, kept right. looking. I, I didn't sleep the whole trip. I had my eyes peeled out the window looking for enemy airplanes. Yeah, right. Uh, <clears throat> so. I mean, I mean, that, and just, just think about that. I mean, man, the trauma that that must have created within you as a child like you're you're making a run into france with the understanding that in from in your mind it's on again it our escape route yeah it's on again yeah. yeah so yeah we went through that but living under martial law uh what about ration cards from- you know ration yeah. cards mate think about the the abundance of food that we have in Western society now, we cannot even contemplate uh, having a ration card. You know what I mean? Like over fifty percent of us are obese. That's common unless people pay attention and and do something now. Because in America, I'm going to just speak about America. Absolutely, we have we have a a dictator. That, that, that that's what he's trying to do he's trying to dictate these mandates which which violates our constitution and violates and the nuremberg stupid. code mate violates the very code that was created oh, yeah, post world war ii i mean oh i was in i was in nuremberg when they hung a lot of those guys oh they you were there party that a big party. Oh. yeah i was there when they did that they had a big party man i mean if, if you had a friend that was stationed in Nuremberg, you went and stayed at their house. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that big of a deal. You know? We're finally we're so finally dealing with these devils. Yeah. And I think I think you so, know. Yeah. So you go. You you talk, mate. You talk. You talk. I've got I've got some questions, but I want to well, hear. Well, no. Your I mean, you know, I mean, it's so, it's so, there's so much that went down over there. It's really hard. To put it in a chrono, you know, chronological yeah. order, uh, but I do know that man. Some of them Germans, they hated us. Uh, one time, they they ganged up on my brother. Three or four of them did, mm. and beat the crap out of him. Mm. And they were all in their teens. Okay, mm. uh, we're talking 16, 18, maybe even twenty, and. When the MPs came, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about some Germans that were wetting their pants. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that's the fact, man. Mm. Uh, they hated us. They had been brainwashed to the point that they didn't understand what had happened to them. Uh, we even drank their fluorinated water as they were decreasing the amount of fluoride that was put in their water supply. Mm. Because they did that slowly. They couldn't, they couldn't wean the people to say, okay, you're done with this. They couldn't do it because it mm. would it, it would have driven those people insane. Yeah. Because uh, Hitler was feeding them so much fluoride. Oh, it's yeah, and the thing is that I think the the as I said, I'm a student of history, Bob, and I, I know what you're talking about and the depths of some of the stuff. And I can only 
firstly, thank you for sharing, man, because th- th- there's not a lot of people now that have any sort of understanding or concept. You know, you, you, your father was part of an occupying force of Germany and you were there to be cannon fodder if the time, if the time came. And it was literally a stray shell, wasn't it? It was a stray bullet or a stray shell that would have started it all over again. You know what I mean? Right. It's- well, you know, there was a lot of panic uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, I'll tell you. Mm. Uh, it, it wasn't good. It, it wasn't good. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the clincher now. Uh, it took me years to find this, but the military projected that 75% of the children that were sent there would commit suicide by the time they were 25 years old. Well, that got me chills, man. That's well, that is a fact, okay? That is a, a lesser known fact about what happened over there. And I'm gonna I'm gonna add this. It took my brother, who was just younger than me, it took him 25 more years. He could never let it go. He could never let it go. It ate him and ate him and ate him. And he eventually uh, couldn't kill himself with drugs and alcohol. And he just went ahead and did it himself. Because uh, so, he's old, he was older, I suppose. He saw he probably saw a bit more than no, you he did. He was younger. Oh, he was younger. I'm the oldest. No, I'm right. the oldest, and yeah. my two younger brothers both are gone. Wow. Well, my, my, my youngest man. brother, my youngest brother, spent most of his life in prison because he felt safer in prison than he did out on the street. And do you think that's due to the the martial law type stuff that you guys experienced as children, or is the that the whole bit, the whole the whole thing? My mother and my father both were very abusive, um, and that probably played a toll on it also. Mm. Um, but where are they coming from, too, Bob? You know what I mean? They just lived through uh, World War Two. Where they where where are they coming from, too? They've just lived through World War Two. They've lived through everybody dying and all this stuff you know what i mean well and the great depression too yeah. you know both of my parents came out of the depression and uh they were dirt poor mm. uh like many so many of americans mm. were after the depression and a lot of them didn't uh didn't pick up the pieces you know what i no. mean they were they were still shattered uh but the thing is about martial law is you don't want to go there. No. There's two sides to the fence. Yeah. It's us and them. And believe me, under martial law, you don't want to be us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what they want you to think, okay? Mm-hmm. They want you to be uh, subservient. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to question anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I mean, on Facebook, uh, for one, Instagram is another thing. But these people and Twitter mm-hmm. uh, are suppressing information that doesn't fit with their agenda. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the same thing that Hitler and mm-hmm. his machine did before World War II. 
Mm-hmm. See, that's what people had better open their eyes and mm-hmm. study a little bit of history and see how World War II came about. It didn't happen overnight. That's right. It was aggression. They slowly ate away at everybody's rights mm-hmm. except for the chosen ones. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't a German, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think people don't. You know have, what I'm trying to say? I know you what know, you're trying to say. I know you're trying to going down in, in America, in Australia, and definitely in the UK. Now, there, to me, I think there's a lot of complacent English people. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, and they don't realize that they're already there. Mm. Well, I save this. I save this for our conversation, right? People wonder, and this is a um, this is a Jewish person from Germany, World War Two, right? People wonder how is it that we didn't do something? Why didn't we run away? Why didn't we hide? Well, things didn't happen at once. Things happened very slowly. So each time a new law came out or a new restriction, we said, "Well, it's just another thing. It will blow over." It was when we had to start to wear the yellow star to be outside. We started to worry. Now, what's the I saw difference? that lady. It's a lady. It's yeah, a, it's a lady, right? Yeah, I saw that documentary. Yeah, what's the difference and, uh, between a yellow star and a vaccine passport? Not much, man. Not a lot. I don't. I don't see. I don't see much because, like I said, I you know I I I took the vaccine because of my age for one, mm-hmm. uh, but. It's a matter of choice, hmm. and it doesn't matter. I mean, we know now it doesn't matter if you had the vaccine or not. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, yeah, look, it might make you if if you if so someone of your age, Bob, if you do a catch it now that you've had the vaccine and you didn't have any adverse reactions, which I'm very happy about. However, it might make it because of your age group might make it easy to deal with. Okay, you might it might make it a little bit less. Well, I've already had COVID, okay? I know I had COVID in November, October, November, and December of 2019. Right. And like I said in my uh, live thing, by the time I got myself back in shape and was feeling good and everything, this lockdown hit. Yeah. And then I start, I start hearing about these symptoms, and I'm going, the bell in my head goes, ding, mm. you know? I had it. And mm. the only thing that really helped me and kept me from going to the hospital was because I had inhalers. I had uh, leftover from the Cusco incident. Mm-hmm. I had cans of oxygen, which I used up. I used up every can of oxygen I had. I mm-hmm. got to where I was taking a hit every 20 minutes mm-hmm. of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know, by the way, I felt by the, the headaches, the body aches, and the whole nine yards, that I had it. Mm. Okay, it was already on the streets in 2019. Mm. They well, we, knew we, it. Yeah, my, my, do you know what, to be honest, mate, me and my family, we wonder, because in about same time, about October, about December 2019, um, my wife and my girls got sick with exactly the symptoms, right? I didn't, you know, and that's one of the things about this weird thing is some people do, some people don't. I was totally fine, but I mean, I mean, but my wife and my girls, oh my God, they were really, really unwell with the exact symptoms um, of, of this thing. 
Um, and you know, they tell you, they tell you, oh, you're crazy. COVID didn't hit the streets until 20, you know, 2020. Mm. And that's a lie. They, they knew it was on the streets mm. months, maybe even years. Yes. Yeah. From the evidence, the evidence that we see coming out now mm-hmm. about this so-called uh, Wuhan laboratory and who financed it. Who's yeah. the major key players right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Bill Gates, Fauci, mm-hmm. all of them people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're part of it. Yeah, absolutely, they, man. They released this. I think they released this as the false flag. Absolutely, Bob. This is the this is they're the finest all down. It's the finest piece of biological warfare the world has ever seen, mate. And I've got no doubt about that. And it's 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 their well, it's Ann their and I, it's their Ann flex, I, the, man. The minute the minute we heard that, Ann and I both went. This was released on purpose, and we are seeing the beginning days of World War Three. And uh, do you know what? Me and my wife out the, the front of our house said the phase. same thing. We're yeah, the, we're in the propaganda phase. Absolutely, that Hitler initiated before World War Two. Absolutely. I mean, the Nazis, okay, the, the Germans lost the war, but the Nazis moved to America. Hey, Werner von Braun ran NASA for how long? You know what I mean? Oh, there's a list. There's oh, a man, list. I know. There's the a laundry the list. Yeah. 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 The head of NATO, the head of the CIA, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all of that was brought to America. Mm. Yeah, it's- and now they're using that against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they man. didn't think that our lights that they didn't think that our lights would come on in time to stop it mm. well mate it's 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 touch and go right now bob let's be honest mate you know what i mean what yeah, what is, is what it's what touch is and go because we don't know what surprised me mate is how many people you know i think there was a i don't know if you know there, there's a guy called zuby and he's he's doing some really interesting perspectives and he said um one of the most disturbing things about the last 18 months is not the, um, the, the bastardization of medical science. It's not the government overreach. It's the fact that uh, a percentage of the population would turn on me if instructed to by the government. Yep, exactly. And that's what happened in Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know, I know the Holocaust happened. I've been to the ovens. I've been to Nuremberg. I saw the ovens with the scratch marks on the wall. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I know it happened. I don't think it, uh, the Jewish people, I think they have latched on to their six million dead, which was a prophecy or a statement that was written in 1910 in a newspaper and it was carried forward. And all of a sudden, there were six million Jews killed in Germany. Mm. I'm not. I'm not disputing that the fact that they did those people so wrong. Mm. Okay, but there were 64 million Native Americans killed mm. that never get talked about. Never get talked about. Never. No. Look, I mean, no. you know, we'll look, let's, we, let's we talk could talk about these six million. Uh, you know. This poor, poor me, you know, six million Jews. Okay, that is a bad thing. There were 20-something million killed in Russia alone. Mm. 
Oh, right, okay. dude. Yeah, what Stalin what we did. Never about. Yeah, what Stalin did, man. Like you talk about, you know, and that's the thing. We, but this is we, we're getting what, what we're circling around, Bob, is the narrative, man. You know what I mean? The narrative that we've all been under um, pretty much post World War II. It has been a controlled narrative. We will allow them to know this. They can have that. They can do that. And they've been setting us up, man. You know what I mean? They've been setting us up. You know, you go back to, you know, look, the, the biggest drug in the world that we face every day, the, the, the nastiest drug that we have in Western society is sugar. You know what I mean? And they, and they told us that, that fats were bad. Fats are not bad for you. They're bloody good for you. Sugar is bad for you. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the corn syrup that you guys in America put in all your stuff. You know what I mean? That's terrible. It's poison, man. You know, like, but they've been setting this up. And because, you know, it's, it's, I know we're talking about martial law like I it's about to happen, you know, but it's, oh, man, it's not I that far away. Who won that's a fair question. I've questioned that a thousand times. Mm. Who really won World War II? Because mm. everything that you just said is Nazi fashion. Yeah. The way they said it, it's called long-term. I started studying religion uh, and the birth of religion a long time ago. And the one thing that I found within the progression, especially of the Roman Catholic Church, that the long-term multi-generational agendas mm -hmm. that they have played on us. And from generation to generation, they have maneuvered the whole thing. And Absolutely. not just the Roman Catholic Church now. We have a whole gang that is using the same. Our governments are using the same tactics. Yeah, the military-industrial complex, the pharmaceutical-industrial complex, the the, the, the stock market, the, the fact that money isn't really real anymore. It's all numbers in a fucking computer. Like, you know, it's, it's, we're part of a larger game, man. There's a long game being I'm played. I'm sorry, but sometimes, sometimes it just, it just, it just me, you know, it just, it, it, it really, uh, I mean, we had, my father, he made it through, uh, his three wars. He fought World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam. Wow. And uh, he was wounded. He had purple hearts with uh, gold stars and bronze star, a silver star. I mean, and he paid his dues, okay? Mm -hmm. And we had so many friends that during the Vietnam War that never came home. Yeah. And that there, oh, it, it, it was it was tough, you know, because mm. all of a sudden somebody you've known for a long time gets killed in a, a worthless war. Uh, I'm not saying Vietnam didn't accomplish a few things, but for the most part, it was a political maneuver. Yeah, it was like a false you flag. You know, it was a false flag. The, yeah. flag. Mm. the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, yeah, the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah. And that's what Americans and, well, the world needs to pay attention to are these false flags. Mm -hmm. Now, COVID is not a false flag, but what they are 
the propaganda that is surrounding it is the false flag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because and, they and have the us living in yeah. fear. They have mm -hmm. divided us. Mm -hmm. They have divided us between the vaxxers and the unvaxxed. Yep. You know, and it, it's like it's BS. We know, we know the truth now. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. they are moving us now. They're trying to, but they're meeting a lot of resistance uh, these days. Yeah. But they are. They're trying to move us to that i don't know if you remember alex jones and jesse ventura yeah when they did their uh you know and i don't know jesse ventura all of a sudden he got silent mm. Mm. and that man had a powerful voice and i think he went silent on purpose because well for one i think he, they threatened him yeah his life yeah but before all of that came down they pointed out these uh, concentration camps mm -hmm. that we have in America, okay? They're scattered all across the country. Mm -hmm. The barbed wire is pointed into the yard. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not to protect people. It is a prison. Mate, they, they have, they they have, have broken ground. Containers. Where I'm sitting, Bob, they have, they're, they're building a, a quarantine facility less than... 40 or probably we're about 70 Ks. We're about 50 miles from where I'm sitting right now. They're building a quarantine facility. Bullshit. Well, see, that's what George Bush and his uh, Dick Cheney and, and uh, uh, Rumsfeld and all them guys were setting up, mm -hmm. but they were exposed. Mm. So they, oh, 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 you know, they had to do the backpedal. And that's why we know that on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat, mm. we have a collaboration going on behind the scenes yeah. to continuously knock our freedoms, take away this, take away that, a little bit at a time, convince them, mm. convince the people that these other people over here, just like they did with the Jews, they blamed mm. everything on the Jews, which mm. is bullcrap. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you study the history, you, mm. you know it. Yeah, they yeah. just wanted what the Jews had. Well, they needed and one of the things them. they yeah. did have was control was control the banks in Germany. They they controlled gold. the money. Yeah. yeah, they got the gold. The Jewish in their yeah. gold, mate. That's it. They, they, uh, and I think, man, well, I they, think you know, hey, you got to admit, they're shrewd business people. Okay? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day. It was Jews killing Jews. Mm. When you study the history and the bloodlines of the of the Nazi hierarchy, a lot of them had Jewish blood. Yes, they did exactly, and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, you know, and uh -huh. you, you sort of mentioned it before. You know, again, you know, you you can't see the books either side of me, but let, let's 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 um, what what happens when a society suppresses information? Uh, controls the media, steers the narrative. You know what I mean? Like people, I think hey, Goebbels, Goebbels is smiling in his grave right oh, now. Oh man. It and it, everyone everyone's like, oh it won't happen. It won't happen. But again, it didn't happen straight away. You know what I mean? It didn't start with the gas chambers, right? It started exactly uh -huh. how it's starting now. Well actually actually uh, 
I sent you that. I don't know if you were able to read it, but I, I was confronted by uh, a Jewish lady, and she's tried to shove political correctness uh, down my throat and people on my wall that were having a, a, a discussion about things, mm. not about the Jews or any of that. Mm. Well, in her defense, she starts throwing the Holocaust Holocaust up in our face. Mm. And I says, okay, you want to play the game? And I went and did my research, okay? Mm. And Hitler did everything in his power to get the Jews a place to go. But what they used, okay, what they did with that is they sent... I think it was 50,000 Ajikanazi Jews into Palestine. Okay, and Ajikanazi is not a real Jew. They are converted. They were converted into Judaism because they were caught between a hard spot and a rock and they had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. uh, these Ajikanazis went into Palestine and started undermining Palestine to create Israel. Well, Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is before Israel. But see, I think that was part of the deal that was made that in order for the Jews to get Israel, this had to happen. Mm. Mm. Okay. Anyway, they send these. As you cannot see, into Palestine, they start undermining Palestine, and Palestine started fighting back. Well, the Grand Mufti, okay, was forced into exile because he was ordering assassination squads to go in and kill uh, these Azikanazi collaborators, along with the Palestine counterparts that were mm -hmm. in on this deal. Well, the Grand Mufti was exiled or self-exile I guess he had to run mm. and Germany took him in and after meeting with Hitler he was passed on to Himmler okay and what they did is they started this broadcast okay uh, that was broadcast into the Middle East to everybody and what what they did in the long run, you can see, is they divided everybody. Mm. All the nations over there, they divided mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have such turmoil over there today. Mate, uh, and because I, I don't understand, you know, it, Bob. It's a complicated yeah. mess. It's, it, yeah. it's, and people need to study their history yeah. and accept the harsh realities that history has to tell. Well, history, the thing about history, Bob, is it's written by the victor, right? So the, 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 the main narrative that we have been given is the victory narrative, the, you know, V for victory and all that sort of shit. There was so much detail to it, you know, and what, what I find staggering at the moment, Bob, is that how divide and conquer and fear and control are the oldest methods in the world to control a populace. And we're letting them do it again. We're letting them do it again. You know? Well, I can't say that we're, you know, that we actually are letting them. Well, they're we're trying to do, the they're trying to do it again. Letting, 
my parents, okay, my parents' generation, mm-hmm. and a couple right after that, they're the ones who did it. Yeah. Because after World War II, there was so much bounty that mm. was, you know what I mean? And they got lost in that and didn't, and they started drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do, I do, I, I do think about that, mate. Where I think that, like my parents, um, you know, my parents, or you know, basically your generation. There's a percentage of them, like you said, they drank the Kool Aid, man, and they don't want to let go. You know what I mean? They they don't want to believe that the government that has given them such bountiful times is is working against them. You know what I mean? Um, right. And it and well, it's, that's what happens. You know, I mean, like you said. Hard men create soft times. Soft times, or how's that? How did that go? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, soft times, hard men. Hard men, good times. Good times, soft men. Yeah. yeah. Right, and and that's what happened. And you know, they've kept us so distracted. Oh um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I I don't blame people for not knowing because no. they were maneuvered, they were herded. You know, mm. I mean, herded in herded into the pen mm. and um the division has gone on for a long time i mean mm. first it was blacks and whites uh first it was the indians mm. and then it was blacks and whites mm-hmm. and then it went to uh, the next one and the next one you know they, they, yeah then they, it was the irish and then it was the italian you know, all that stuff you know what i mean yeah exactly everybody that went into new york into five points whether they were irish uh italian uh whatever mm. they all had to fight their way out of that my family when they went there they didn't stay they went to indiana mm. and uh but that's another another realm of of times you know i mean people had to fight their way out of new york they well might uh well might listen man i think um this has been a very excellent conversation. I think, like I said, Bob, the problem with us, mate, is shutting up. It's not about not being able to talk. I think we could no, talk I mean, forever. Once you've got me going, you know, I mean, it gets my blood pumping. You yeah, know, man. To, to, and I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to share a little bit of insight on what martial law is. Yeah, man. Martial law is not anything you want. No. I mean, it's it's like having, I, the next thing, what, is a tattoo or, or is it a chip? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, it'd be the chip these days, you know what I mean? You know, we, yeah, look, you know, yeah, we, we could talk about the fact that mRNA vaccines may have already chipped people, but, you know, we don't know whether that's... Well, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you something. I went and visited, I had to go back to the States, uh, I had to have some surgery for cancer. And uh, I was uh, going in and, and I, they, they had to freeze, you know, some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've talked about 15. I, I worked in the sun all my yeah. life. I, yeah. mean, I was, uh, I was uh, no t-shirt. T-shirt was tied around the hat, head, you know, shorts and tennis shoes. Mm. Well, she's spraying me with all this stuff. And as she's walking away, she she hit this spot on my arm right here. And I had this bump that would grow a hair, right? And it was like 
I thought it was a mold. So about a week later, week and a half later, this thing started bugging me. And I looked and I could tell it it was kind of like a zip. Well, I started messing with it and everything. Out, yeah. And I went into the bathroom because it, you know, some pus started coming out. And I'm squeezing on it, you know, and this thing, this metal ball fell out into my hand. Bullshit. And it was covered in it was covered in pus, right? So I'm trying to rinse it off, and when I did, it fell out of my hand and went down the drain. Tore the P-trap apart, and it just rolled right on through the P-trap. And I don't know what that was, but I do know where I got the shot. Where was it? It was when I I was in the Army. Yeah, right. And I remember the shot because I had blood running down my arm. I mean, just running down my arm from whatever that was when they put that into my, my arm. Man. Well, mate, I think the thing is people need to understand. Look, we, we might wrap it up, mate. Um, and I think yeah, we'll, no, sure, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely sit down again. Because I don't, as I said, we I'm haven't I'm sorry finished. if I got carried away. But no, I, mate, no. I listen, man, hey, about- hey, I, I am I'm, I'm honoured that you would share some of those details with me, man. And I think it's going to help a lot of people, um, you know, just give them a different perspective. I hope it does. I really hope it does. I, and I really do. And I think what people need There's to understand. No, no, <laughs> that's what I mean, mean, mate. That, like when when we started, because I mean, look, the the audience for both of us, you know, because we're going to swap cast this, so you know, be on the Pathfinders channel and unlocking the code. The audience needs to know that me and you started talking because of our love for megalithic societies. You know, we, we haven't even touched on that today. You know what yeah. I mean? We're both students of the ancient megaliths, <laughs> um, you know, and we're and we're deep in that world. But as we got to know each other, we we and and we started to watch this thing unfold. We're like, listen, we're we're of a like mind, despite being a generate a couple of generations apart. We need to have a have a discussion about this and and share perspective, man. And um, look, I know that some of the things you shared with us today may not have been easy to share, and and for that, I thank you. You know, because that's a perspective that people don't have, and. Um, People need to understand, and, and I'll, I'll give you the last word, mate, but people need to understand that we are not that far away. If we continue down this path in Western society, and look, uh, you know what? Do you know, I'm, I'm going to, what the question that's going to rack my brain, mate, after we stop talking is who actually won World War II? Um, I, I'm not going to be able <laughs> to let go of that one. Um, Sorry. That's all right, mate. I, pre- I appreciate rabbit holes, but... I think what people need to understand is that if we do not, you know, the, the few things that I, I, that I that you said during the the information you shared, people power wins. We do no matter which country it is, due to the level of population we now are in every country around the world. If the silent majority, and ninety nine percent of the silent majority are cool people, if they decided to stand. We, we outnumber these people millions to one, okay? Exactly. And we, you know, let's not repeat history, Bob, yeah? I think I'd love to do that, man. Imagine if we could not do what we're about to do, you know, because what follows on from 
the suppression and everything else like that. We're going to throw bullets at each other again, Bob, aren't we, mate? That's what's going to happen, right? World War Three well, is coming, you yeah. know? Um, and we don't need to do that. We can choose another path. And um, enough of us are aware aware enough to understand what's going on, but we've got to choose to stand and we've got to choose to make sure that we don't do that, you know? And the darkness that you shared with us today is not that far away. It, it, and, and people need to understand that, mate. So I'll give you the final word, man. What do you want to, what do you want to share the people? We'll get together again soon, mate. I, I love these conversations. I'd love to get to Megalist, mate, because you're in Peru for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But if there is a final word, uh, beware. Yeah. Okay. Because we are just like Tristan said, we're right on the edge. Mm. And if we don't stand up now, there will be no turning back mm. because we have a faction in America that is trying to get the other side, which I'm leaning toward. I don't believe in, you know, some of their um, beliefs, mm. but they are trying to get the other side, the right wing, they call them, mm. to start the civil war. Mm. Because the left wing right now is in charge of Washington. Yeah. And we had a peaceful protest in uh, Washington, D.C., where all this fear porn was spread that it was a false flag. People were going to get killed. And a lot of people didn't go. But mm. that didn't stop them from saying what was on their mind. Mm. And I mean, it's on my wall, the, the clips that they had off of it. Mm. And some of the speakers, their voice is so true. Mm. I mean, what they're saying, it just, it, it just brought that back out of me. And mm. That's one, one of the reasons why I shared uh, that bit of personal information mm. is because people don't realize the damage that they're going to do to themselves if they mm. continue on this path. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm in Peru, yeah. But I do my damnedest, and I have for over 12 years on Facebook to to get people to open. A lot of the conspiracies that we were talking about during the Bush administration you know, has been proven true. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we weren't we weren't just speaking out of our ass. No. <laughs> no, I mean, you talk about Alex Jones, you know, he's a bit of a nutcase the way he presents stuff, but he's surprisingly true on a lot of things. You know what I mean? Um, Who's that? Alex Jones. Well, I, I won't listen to Alex anymore because he's sold out to the system. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's part of the propaganda machine. Okay? You reckon? In my opinion, okay. yeah. he, he's nothing but a shit stir. And 95% uh, of his followers uh, that I run into in social media are brain dead. Yeah. So yeah. that so much for Alex Jones in my book. Yeah. Uh, but we do have people who are standing up mm. and that's the individual citizen like you Trippin, mm -hmm. me uh 
and I'm not going to name names no. uh, at this time, but there's there's a whole network of people Absolutely. that are just normal everyday. I spent 40 years building houses, mm-hmm. okay, to build a better America. Mm. I don't see that better America. No, mate. I I grew up in an Australia that, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll echo that from my perspective. I grew up in Australia where we knew our neighbours, where we could leave the doors unlocked, where we treated each other with respect and equality and understanding, where common sense and, um, you know... Well, that's what, they, that's what they got rid of in America is well, common same, sense. Same down here, man. Same you know, down they here. They don't want critical thinking. No. You know, and I think... You know, I mean, yeah, we, we could go on, mate, but I think I'll, I'll echo your sentiments. We can go that, on and on and on. It, yeah. Actually, I think, we, I think we covered a lot of bases. And, and yeah, I'd like to, to, to have more conversations. Maybe next time it'll be me hosting you. Yeah, and let's do that. I'll be putting, I'll be putting this up on uh, my two YouTube channels mm-hmm. and my Crowdcast, uh, yeah. the Pathfinders channel, yeah. and the Road Researcher. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, make, because, make sure you... Make sure you send my send me the links, out. man. Yeah, it does, mate. It does, and I think um, I, I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate your honesty, and and um, yeah, beware. However, at the end of the day, we Thanks still. Thanks for inviting me, Griffin. Because, like you said, you know, even though we have generations between us, we do think alike, and you don't know how heartwarming that is mm. when it when I can see a younger person that can see all this stuff mm. and they can see through the BS, they can mm. see through the propaganda mm. and they have the courage, which I admire them for, to stand up and be heard. Mate, there's nothing else. What else is there, Bob? Because it's Slavery. not... Any- exactly, man. What, what, what am I... I've got, I've, got, I've got beautiful children, man. What what world are they going to grow up in? I don't want I don't want them to come to me in twenty years time and go. Why didn't you do something? Exactly. I have six children myself. Yeah. And that's why I'm doing this. Mm. To be honest, that's 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 what fires my 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 engine mm. is that my children will know that I stood up, and I don't care. They can come after me. I, they've already tried mm. so I'll, I'll i'll just leave it at that and right, maybe next time we can talk about some megaliths yeah yeah a little mate. more a little more uh light yeah know, a little little. i tell you i tell you what mate next time you host me and you take me on a journey through peru and put megalith stuff man how about we do that because i would love that I, I think that 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 you know, but before the current situation, um, I was on the megalith stuff in here in Australia. I was planning trips to South America. You know what I mean? I was on that. I was on that train, but now we have to refocus. But uh, well, not to brag, okay, not to not- brag, <laughs> but it was my connection with Stephen and Evan Strong that brought David Hatcher Childers, Graham Hancock. Uh, who else? Uh, gosh, I can't think of all the big names that followed my research into Australia. Yeah, right. Oh, Von Daniken yeah. was there. Von Daniken came and had a look, didn't he? Von yeah, Daniken. yeah. 
the whole steel, you know. And the thing is, is Stephen and Evan gave me that credit when I did uh, that um, conference. Oh, yeah, you did one of the conferences a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, didn't yeah you? I, did, I did a conference last year. Mm. And I was. I was there first. Mm. And I have been able to stand back and watch the game being played out. Uh, yeah. It's so, it's fa- it's fascinating, mate. Like I, I stand outside that game, Bob. That's what you'll figure out about me. Is I'm I'm happy to talk to all those guys and hear their opinions, but I stand outside because I don't I don't tie to myself to any ideas, man. You know what I mean? I stand well, outside. I did in the beginning. Game. I did it in the beginning, but when I saw the the game played, you know, it's like I don't play the game. Hmm. And uh, but yeah, I, I'll put together. Uh, I've got. Probably thirty thousand pictures. And, <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, uh, I've got one hard drive that is almost full, and I'm starting on my second one. And yeah, I right. think I'm about a third full on that. Well, mate, maybe, um, mate, if you if you wanted to put together a bit of a uh, a show for unlocking the code, mate, and you want to share some of your journeys through South America from the megalithic perspective, and and what your thoughts are about the ancient advanced civilization and all that sort of stuff, I'd love to hear that, mate. Um, thanks very much, Bob. Hey, um, awesome, man. Thank you very thanks much. For having me, Griffin. Sorry if I helped, uh, no, keep this run over. No, 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 there is Thank no over, mate. Much. There is no over. I just think, uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it, we'll continue next time. Good on you guys. Right Thank on. you. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you guys. And, and heed the warnings, people. Please. Yeah. Beware. Out of
heart black underground Will I fight back, find my strength again Days have been gold, but tomorrow lose and their shine Will I give up, I doubt it Give it all away No